Greetings, fellow podcast listeners. Welcome to the kickoff episode of Volume 2 of the On Worship Songs podcast. Volume 1 contained a look at my original Advent and Christmas songs and was released over the month of November. You are more than welcome to go check out those episodes whenever you like, wherever you listen to your podcasts, or at onworship.org. And now... The solo acoustic recordings featured in those episodes are available on all the major music streaming services as an EP called On Worship Songs, Volume 1, released by myself, Chris Eights. While you're streaming that, I'd just love it if you also checked out the other things I have streaming, particularly the full-length album I released in 2019 with the good people of the Wamigo UMC Praise Band called Your Love Goes On, an album produced by Brandon Graves, who's known for being the drummer of Waterdeep, as well as for many other things, like just being a great guy. Brandon Graves, known for being a great guy. Okay, enough of the plugs and preamble. Let's get started. I am Chris, and this podcast is on Worship Songs. Now that my Advent and Christmas material has been featured, I'm excited to move forward this month with a set of songs loosely connected by a few threads, but mostly chosen because they were the ones I believe God placed on my heart as I started looking forward. We'll kick off the set of songs today with a song that was written with the intention of being an opening worship song, something meant to be sung at the start of a set to help everyone prepare their hearts and focus in. This is also one of the most recent songs I've written, which happened on September 9th of this year. As with my previous episodes, I'll present this song as a stripped-down acoustic demo for the purpose of highlighting the song itself and not the arrangement or production style of a track. I did create a multi-tracked full-band demo of this song when I wrote it, however, And it's one I'm fairly proud of. So since I have it, I will also include that recording at the end of this episode. You just heard a piece of it as the bumper music. As always, you can go to onworship.org to download the tracks featured here, as well as chord sheets and, in this case, sheet music. So you can make the song your own and use it in your context. I don't always create sheet music when I write something, but I had a piano hook in my head when I wrote this, and I'm not really a piano player, so I sat down on my computer and opened up my composition software, and the song flowed from there. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. So before I go any further, let's get into things properly. Here's my recently recorded, stripped-down acoustic demo of Now and Forevermore.
my soul Rejoice in His name Give Him thanks Come and give Him praise Give all your cares to Him He will give you forevermore recently recorded and recently written like i said earlier this song was written with the intention of being a beginning of the worship set song a song of ascents if you will in case you're not already hip the book of psalms has a section called songs of ascent found in psalms 120 through 134 which were songs often sung or meditated upon while traveling to the temple to worship in Jerusalem. Kind of like how athletes and performers might listen to certain music to get them primed for their performance right ahead of time 
It's a great practice to prime ourselves for worship, both as individuals and as a gathered congregation. If there are songs, scriptures, or prayers that help you get centered before coming into worship, then using them ahead of time should help make your worship experience more fruitful and profound. If everyone in the congregation practiced such things, imagine how amazing worship would be and how much it could impact the fruitfulness of a church. This song does something I think I've only done in one other song, which is change tense or perspective or direction partway through. The first verse and chorus are addressed to me or to us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, rejoice in his name. While the rest of the song switches over to bless you, Lord, O my soul rejoices in your name. The idea is that the first verse and chorus here serve as a song of ascent, but once we start the second verse, we've entered in, so we shift our attentions to God directly. I used to have a hang-up about the tense or perspective of of our lyrics. Once upon a time, I was of the opinion that all of our songs sung in worship should be sung directly to God. I've relented on this opinion after studying Colossians 3.16, where Paul lists several types of songs we should sing when we gather, with the end goal being that the word of God dwell richly among us, or the great wisdom, the great logos, which is Christ, dwells richly among us. It's a really cool section of scripture worth digging into if you are a worship leader or pastor or anyone involved in planning worship experiences. Colossians 3.16. Go check it out. Songs are, among many things, a brilliant form of communication. Sometimes they are the most powerful form of communication you can use. Where words and actions might fall short to get through to someone, sometimes a song gets the job done. So, we should sing songs to each other that remind us of the tenets of our faith, that encourage us in our faith, that lift God up to one another, just as we should also be singing praises directly to God, which will probably always be my main preferred mode. So the first chunk of the song is me singing to me, or us singing to ourselves. You see this in the Psalms quite a bit. Things like, bless the Lord, O my soul, or lines like, why are you so downcast, O my soul? The self-pep talk is part of our faith tradition, particularly addressing your soul. What's interesting about the soul is, in the ancient Hebrew language and understanding, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. I often hear people say or read things that describe the soul as the seat of their mind, will, and emotions. And yes, I suppose it is that. But that doesn't quite cover it somehow. Because you don't have a soul. You are a soul. Your soul is not only your mind, will, and emotions. Your soul is your full, complete, all-encompassing you. It's not just something within you. Your body is tied into it as well. Have you ever heard stories of someone who had heart surgery and through the process feels like they've been fully exposed to the world in like this deep, emotional, profoundly personal way 
that goes beyond the physical implications of the surgery. They've been opened up and exposed. Do you have something you do regularly that not only does good for your body, but also your whole self, your whole soul? For me, reclining on a couch, listening to records, reading comics. For others, it might be vigorous exercise or time spent baking. Regular daily time spent in praise and thanksgiving is also a big one for me nowadays. If you, as a worship leader, don't spend much time making music to God by yourself, I really recommend making it part of your daily work routine. The practice has revolutionized not only my work life, but just my daily living. One of the first things I do when I get to the office nowadays is spend time in prayer that is filled with making music by myself. All of this is to say our soul is not always in sync with our spirit or with our mind. We often know what we should do or the spirit is leading us to do, but we just don't want to. And we need some encouragement. We need a push. We need a pep talk. And sometimes the best pep talk can come from ourselves. I know that if I'm starting my day in a bit of a funk or a cloud of depression or the nagging of anxiety, that if I grab my guitar and spend time singing praises to God, all that stuff will fall away, which is alluded to in verse one. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Rejoice in his name. Give him thanks. Come and give him praise. Get all, give all your cares to him. He will give you peace. He will give you life. This is not a transaction. It's not that God will only grant me peace in life if I praise him, but it is a truth, one found in Philippians chapter 4. The verse you've heard quoted probably like countless times about peace that surpasses understanding, it's directly tied to Paul instructing us to go to God with praise and thanksgiving and that we can give our cares to him in that process and experience God's peace afresh. Go check it out. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice always. A central passage of scripture for everything I do. The chorus, Prince of Peace, King of Kings, holy is his name. Later, holy is your name, now and forevermore, worthy of all praise has got a lot going on in it, but I want to focus in on the phrase, holy is your name. Talking about God's name as holy comes from Hebrew tradition. God had a name that out of deep reverence and respect and awe was never fully said aloud or fully written down. The Tetragrammaton or Yahweh. I'm not going to unpack all of that here, but run a Google search for Hebrew name of God and you can get into it. There's some really cool stuff there. God is holy. And holy means set apart, separate, something else. And our Hebrew brothers and sisters that preceded us didn't usually talk as casually about God as we often do now. There was a built-in reverence, even in how you talked about God or how you wrote about God. God is so holy that even his name shouldn't be said out loud. Even God's name is something that should be kept separate from the rest of our vocabulary. Jesus touches on this in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. 
hallowed means more than just holy. When we say hallowed be your name, what we're saying essentially is may we and the whole world come to understand how holy you are, which is where I get much of the bridge of this song. May we come to understand your holiness. May we be set apart to show the world. Holiness is set apartness. So the lyric here is acknowledging that not only is God set apart, not only is God holy, but he can and he has and he is setting us apart, making us holy. So we can work to reveal that holiness to the world. We become a part of the process of making his name hallowed, making his holiness known. The more that we live into the holiness that he has made available to us, that he is calling us into, the more we play a role in his name being hallowed. God calls us to holy living, not simply because he's into rules or some sort of taskmaster or behavior monitor, but because his holiness is shown to the world through our holiness. The good news is the Holy Spirit is here to help us with a lifelong transition into holy living. We won't get there on our own, but Christ is our holiness and God is transforming our lives by the Spirit if we are faithful and willing to follow his lead. That's going to be a major theme this month, being faithful and willing to truly give our lives to God and live sacrificially for him to allow him to take over and transform us. There are more themes that could be explored and unpacked in this song, but I'll leave the rest for you to investigate, or maybe we can revisit it another time. If you find yourself wondering about what a lyric might mean or where the scriptural foundation for something might be in this song or any of the others that I share here, reach out to me. Head over to onworship.org. Shoot me a message. I look forward to hearing from you. As promised, I'll close out today with a still-in-progress recording that began the day I wrote this song. I was sitting down restringing my sweet, sweet, sweet Dan Electro 12-string electric guitar one day, and after I got it all stringed up and tuned up, I started playing a few chords and almost immediately played the opening chords and riff to this song, sparking off a chain reaction that would lead me to open my composition software that I use and start fleshing out the idea for a piano part. As I completed that, a melody and pieces of lyrics started to flow into my brain. Before I knew it, I had sheet music with a piano part, melody, lyrics, and guitar chords. There's one line of lyric that I've changed since recording this demo. I simply found a better way to phrase a piece of the second verse. I was going to fix it, but, you know, limited time and whatnot. So in the near future, I hope to revisit this recording, put on a fresh vocal and some extra vocals from one of my collaborators here at St. Charles United Methodist Church in Destrehan, Louisiana. And once that happens, this may eventually get a proper release to streaming services. For now, however, I will sign off with a sneak peek at this full band arrangement demo of the song Now and Forevermore, recorded the day it was written back in September. Until next week, 
I have been Chris, and this podcast has been on Worship Songs. Now and for